And good morning, Fuzzy Logic, your science, on a Sunday here on 2XX Community Radio. And now, do you have any aches or pains, sore joints, bits that aren't working like they should? Well, maybe you have rheumatoid arthritis. <laughs> and uh, that is one of a number of diseases or uh, conditions that uh, can cause you a lot of pain and maybe related to what you eat, your lifestyle, your exercise, and uh, a thing called epigenetics. Okay, we're going to explain technical term for epigenetics. Now, if your body were a car, you would put the best quality ingredients into it, the best petrol, the best oil, and so on. But your body is far more complicated than a car, and we really only partly understand how it works well, to help us uh, navigate some of these complicated questions, I'm very pleased to have into the studio some researchers from the University of Canberra, in fact, the Faculty of Health, the Research Institute of Sport and Exercise. Yes, Dr. Chloe Goldsmith. Good morning, Chloe. Good morning. Hi. And uh, Shweta Venkataraman. Good morning, Ven um, Shweta. <laughs> Good morning. Happy to be here. Uh, a pleasure to have you. Now, uh, Shweta, our listener won't have heard yet that you have written an Ask Fuzzy for us about how your diet might affect uh, your immune system and mm -hmm. in particular rheumatoid arthritis. Do you want to give me a, just a really quick explanation of what you wrote in that column? Yeah, sure. So, as you mentioned, rheumatoid arthritis is a type of arthritis. It comes into the category of autoimmune diseases. And there's multiple different types of autoimmune disease. And it's really um, driven by the immune system. The immune system that is, I guess, attacking our own healthy tissue. So, in a, in a normal healthy situation, the immune system is really important in attacking foreign invaders like viruses, bacteria. I think we all are very familiar with viruses at this stage. But in autoimmune disease, these immune cells attack healthy tissue. And in rheumatoid arthritis, they attack healthy tissue in the joints. We don't actually know what, why these immune cells start attacking healthy tissue, um, but we do know that there's lifestyle factors involved, so exercise and diet, and we're really interested in diet and how that actually impacts um, the development and the um, activity of immune disease, particularly rheumatoid arthritis. Well, one thing that we were talking about off air is how on earth your immune system knows what a friendly cell and what a not friendly cell is. We might get into that uh, question a bit later because, uh, Chloe, you did kind of give me a hint. Oh, well, and look, it's okay to say that uh, science is, is evolving in this and we're... I, I think it's okay to, that it's something is really deeply mysterious still. In fact, that's part of the excitement of doing science, I think, because, I mean, you, you love that joy of discovery. Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's still a lot of things that we don't know. Um, we do know a lot about the immune system, though, and I guess in recent times, especially COVID times, um, we've learned a lot about viruses and, and foreign invaders. But yeah, we can, we can get into that question a bit later. 
<laughs> we, we will, we will. And, and it's, it's the joy of discovery. Before we go on to more about your research, Shweta, maybe you can just tell me a bit about your own background. So, so let's, let's start with you, Chloe. So you, you just yeah. got back from uh, France, Lyon, yeah. you said? Yeah, so I, my field of research is epigenetics. So broadly, my research interests are trying to understand how our lifestyle can influence the diseases that we ultimately get. So I study a field called called epigenetics. Um, uh, I finished my PhD and I went over to France and I worked for the French Institute for Health and Medical Research for several years over there, where I was studying exactly that. So the epigenetic drivers of, of disease, in particular um, immunological associated diseases like auto-inflammatory well, we'll, we'll We'll get into a conversation <laughs> about epigenetics uh, yeah. later in the show. Sure. And we'll get you to define what it actually is because I kind of half know what it is and I think our listener might know that maybe they don't know. But uh, anyway, that's that's something I'm looking forward to. Now, Shweta, about your own background. You're Canberra-born. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, I studied my undergraduate in UC. At University of Canberra? University of Canberra. Liked it so much that I decided to stay there for honours as well, um, under the supervision of Chloe. What, what was your undergraduate? It was biomedical science. All right, give me a quick rundown of what biomedical science is. Oh, I guess it's um, looking at all things related to biology, particularly human biology. Um, so looking at all the different systems, um, understanding the molecular or laboratory techniques and understanding or um, measuring different aspects of cell, cellular biology. Oh, this might not be a fair question to you <laughs> without notice, but uh, uh, I sometimes think back on my own uh, university qualifications, which are, mm, I, I don't boast about, <laughs> much, much less interesting than what you, you're doing. But uh, can you encapsulate the main things you learnt, uh, is there a simple way of explaining, like if you had a, you know, what they call the executive elevator conversation mm-hmm. and, and you had to say, well, what did you learn? What's the most important thing you learnt? Can you, can you do that? I think there's um, one side of it being the theory, so understanding <clears throat> you, the, the theory of science in terms of um, biology in the body. But I think the most important thing I learnt in my undergraduate was how to be a scientist and that critical thinking involved in um, kind of having, constantly questioning everything that we're being presented. So it's more the skills, I think, in, um, yeah, questioning things that we, I guess, take for granted as pure fact. Challenging the norms. Yeah. It's important. You're coming closer, yes. I think you, you wanted to add to that. Oh yeah, I think yeah, every undergraduate science degree is valuable for for specific context research, but also it it allows for a student to understand the complexity of science. There's so many different scientific fields and they are all constantly evolving. And so a student really has to be able to change with it, to be able to question what is known, to be able to come up with the exciting new things that's going to be researched. So I think that's a valuable part I, of I'm really, really glad you, you brought that up, Shweta, because you are on one of my favourite topics. Uh, <laughs> stand by for a soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> but but the, the critical thinking and the ability to 
look at data and, and say what it means and then change your opinion because the data says you're wrong. Mm. But even just understanding what that data is telling you. Now, a few weeks ago, I interviewed a bee researcher and he's one of the mm. great uh, people in the history of studying how bees see, right? Mm. And, and he lent me his book. And this research field goes back a oh, hundred and more years, right? And what really struck me was how difficult it was to interpret the data. So what they, what they do is they, they set up a little tunnel and they put shapes, coloured shapes along the tunnel and they see how the bee behaves in that tunnel. Is it Does it go one direction or the other? Is it attracted to one thing or not? And how does a bee go from its hive to a flower? Mm. And there were so many misleads and so many confusing things that happen in that data that th there was great misconceptions mm. come up about how bees see. Mm. And at the risk of going on too long about that, do you, in, from your own experience, have you, have you seen that? Do you have an example where you've seen something like that? Something where the data misconstrued yeah. us? Oh, yes, oh, constantly. A, a specific example, I'm not sure, but yeah, as a scientist, you're constantly questioning your own data. So it's very rare that you will do an experiment and then if it was what you expected to see, that you, you believe it because part of what we have to do is really be critical about what we're looking at and what we're, what we're expecting to see. So you try and look at your data with, um, with open eyes, without a particular It's a, But it's a very particular skill, isn't it? And it you're is. saying, Shweta, that was a really important thing that you learned. Yeah. Being a sceptic of your own findings. Being sceptic. Well, <laughs> yeah. I'm actually thinking about writing an Ask Fuzzy on a similar theme because... One thing that happened in World War Two, right, the, the, the fighter bombers or the bomber planes would come back to uh, the airfield and they had bullet holes in them because obviously, you know, mm. it was a war zone. Mm. And what they wanted to do was find out where to put the armaments on the aeroplane to protect them best, mm. right? Mm. And so they mapped where all the bullet holes mm. went. And their first impulse was to put... Uh, armour plating where the bullet holes were and then I think they actually they might have started to do that and then somebody realised well actually the planes we're getting back are the ones that survived mm. oh mm. yeah, yeah. so data is biased from the beginning yeah, yeah. Ex yes exactly <laughs> and so what this person realised is he thought well actually what we need to do is uh, protect the bits <laughs> <laughs> the other bits because they're the bits that are vital, and, and there's a very distinct pattern, and I'll have to look up online, but there's a very distinct pattern of where the bullet holes were on these planes that came back. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Fascinating. And, and that's a fairly simple example, because yeah. I, I think after we... I, we have to go back to your research uh, in a moment, uh, Shweta, but uh, before the show you were telling me about how you're going to do all this information process, all this data processing. Mm. And we'll, we'll put that question on hold, come back to that, but let's go back to your research, <laughs> Shreda. So the immune system, when good cells turn bad, <laughs> right? <laughs> and why they do that is, is another complicated question, but let's just go through a bit more how you're working. You're taking 
blood samples. Correct, yes. What do you do then? So we are collecting blood samples, correct, and then we take them to our laboratory and the blood is composed of multiple different elements or parts and we're most interested in like the white blood cells which make up the immune system. So we first isolate those white blood cells and in rheumatoid arthritis there's further divisions of um, I guess these immune cells that are involved in rheumatoid arthritis so we want to look at those cells. So we take all the immune cells we've collected and put them through this, um, this machine, flow cytometry machine and are able to look at these immune cells in greater depth. So, okay, so there are multiple types of immune cell, right? Mm -hmm. How many are you interested in? So, in the different types of immune cells, we're most interested in T cells. And then within those T cells, there's four subtypes that we are able to collect and we want to analyze a little bit further. Mm -hmm. How do you know you've got one of those four in your sample? based on, um, I guess, surface, surface markers. So but before we take them, um, these immune cells, to the machine that sorts them, we are able to stain them, I guess, with antibodies based on proteins on the outside of the cell. And they're, they're different depending on the cell type. Okay. that makes sense. So does that have some... Uh is that loosely like the rapid antigen test where the proteins on the surface of the cell indicate the presence of that type of cell? Okay, you're not detecting disease in the same way as the rat test, right? But is it sort of crudely similar principle? Yeah, so I guess we're able... So there's different um, proteins on the outside and we stain them or we put <clears throat> that antibody on them and they're actually different colours there's antibodies. So in that way, we're able to use this machine. So like the different colors of cells yeah. will be sorted differently. Okay, okay. And all right, so here on, I should remind our listener <laughs> that uh, here on Fuzzy Logic, we're talking to Dr. Chloe Goldsmith. Hi. <laughs> and uh, Shweta Venkataraman. And uh, immune systems, nutrition, epigenetics... University of Canberra, <laughs> and now, so you've, you've selected the four mm -hmm. T cells that mm -hmm. you're interested in. What do you do next? So in, in, in my project, I'm just looking at the ratios of these immune cells, but we're able to collect them and further analyse the epigenetic landscapes of these four cells. Okay, so the four cells are ones that are implicated in rheumatoid arthritis, mm -hmm. is that Correct. Mm -hmm. Correct. Okay. Yeah. How, do, how do we know that? How do, is that other research has come up with those four? There's a there's huge, huge body of research that has implicated those those four cells. Which which kind of reminds me of the uh, the aeroplane story. So <laughs> the the bullet holes are here, and maybe that's in, implicated with the plane crashing or the plane surviving. So somebody has figured out that I could feel you wanting to jump in, Chloe. Were you going to add something? There? Oh yeah. So there's there's been a lot of research that has shown that CD4 positive T cells, so they're a subset of your broader immune system, that they are upregulated in in autoimmune disease. But some very clever people have done something called single cell sequencing, where you can look at all the different types of cells simultaneously. Um, 
in a particular patient or participant. And they showed that these CD4 positive T cells, so this bigger group, that the cells we're interested fit within, that they are, there's more of them basically in someone with, with rheumatoid arthritis. And so what we're doing is we're going deeper and we're, we're trying to look at the different subsets within that bigger, broader group and see how they're changing. So there has been one study that looked at these particular T cells we're interested in before and they showed that there was, was more. But we don't know why. And so that's what we're really interested in studying. So we're looking at the diet, we're looking at their lifestyle, we're looking at their epigenome, dare I? <laughs> dare I introduce it too quickly? But we're, we're going deeper to characterize those cells to really see why they're different to somebody who doesn't have arthritis and how their lifestyle could potentially be affecting those cells. And uh, of course, the outcome of all of this, you know, is this is fundamental research, isn't it? And so at some mm. point, there will be health advice or things that you can do to help people who suffer from rheumatoid arthritis. And maybe uh, we might take a song break, give, give yourselves a breather, <laughs> and uh, we can talk about what rheumatoid arthritis is for the sufferer, but then we can also go into a little bit more about how you know whether the, what these four bad... <laughs> Bad or good, we don't know. <laughs> well, I guess there could be good ones in this story too. Mm. Maybe I don't know. I'd, could your uh, uh, your T cells actually be of benefit in the <laughs> rheumatoid arthritis story? I don't know. But mm. Fighting for you or against you? <laughs> I, here I am speculating about something I know absolutely nothing, which is why I do science radio. Now, before the break. We were talking about um, how you isolate four different types of T cell. And before we go on to uh, what you did next, what Shweta did next, that could be a book. <laughs> uh, what's, what, what's rheumatoid arthritis like for a person who has it? Do you, can you give me just a really simple description? So it is um, a type of arthritis, so impacts the joints. What we see in rheumatoid arthritis, it impacts um, joints symmetrically on both sides of the bodies, impacts your hands, wrists, um, legs, knees, ankles, and it really progresses over time. So it starts off um, morning stiffness, basic um, mobility issues, and then it can just keep progressing. So it can be a really debilitating disease. Um, I'm still learning about it myself. Okay. Yeah. So some of the other issues with rheumatoid arthritis are that it has um, some other the chronic inflammation can cause mm. other problems. So there's a lot higher prevalence of cardiovascular disease and stroke in individuals that um, that have arth rheumatoid arthritis in particular. So there's a, there's a lot of things going on systemically as mm. well as just joint inflammation, which mm -hmm. it, on its own is 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 quite um, a challenge for those people struggling. So quite. With it quite unpleasant for somebody who has a, no, mm. it. No, it affects the soft tissue, is that right? Mm. The, the particular types of soft tissue? So it, it, go, it, it's, it goes on to, um, to end up causing bone degradation, so it can destroy the joints by forming cells called ulclasts. So it forms these multinucleated cells that are in the joints that sort of eat away at the bone. So uh, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a problem. And of course, once it affects your mobility, then it has all sorts of knock-on effects mm -hmm. to your health, like your ability to exercise exactly. and so on and so on. Yeah, not good. Now, there's also osteoarthritis. That affects the bone, right? So that's the other main category of arthritis, is and, it? Yeah, that's more of a biomechanical arthritis. Right. So it's 
progresses with time and it's usually associated with more use of the joint. Like any, an injury, for example, or overuse? It can be, yeah. Can be? Okay, yeah. but we're not talking about that type. This is rheumatoid. And when you see someone's hands swell, all the, 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 like the knuckles are all swollen, is that rheumatoid arthritis? Often, yes. Often. It could be other types of arthritis. So there's rheumatoid arthritis, there's osteoarthritis, there are other types of arthritis as well, which, yeah, mm. which people, oh. people also have. But yeah, rheumatoid arthritis, it largely affects the joints in the hands and mm -hmm. the feet. Um, and yeah, usually when you see someone with, with swollen um, and sometimes deformed joints of the hands, that's quite severe rheumatoid arthritis often. Okay. Now, uh, we might just give a quick plug for your research mm -hmm. because I understand you're looking for volunteers, right? Mm -hmm. So are you looking for people with rheumatoid arthritis mm -hmm. to, yeah, to help? Mm. What will they do if they get involved? Yes, yeah, so it's a really um, it's a cool study. So we, we really want to look at how diet impacts disease, Yep. so rheumatoid arthritis. And if you want to be involved, it, it will involve a small visit to UC where we will do a um, pretty thorough diet history and we can do some dietary analysis and send that report back to you. Mm. We also in that um, in that visit to UC or University of Canberra, we take a blood sample and further categorise your immune cells. Okay. Yeah. And you're looking for people both with and without rheumatoid arthritis, is that right? Yeah, so we're looking at men and uh, individuals, men and women, both with arthritis um, and people without arthritis. So it's only about a two and a half hour, two hour commitment mm. where you come to UC, answer some questions, hang out with us, <laughs> give a small blood sample, <laughs> and well, then you'll get those reports back. So you, you actually get information about what you've been eating, perhaps what you haven't been eating enough of, perhaps what you've been eating too much of. So you do get that report. So it's pretty valuable if mm -hmm. you think about how expensive it is to see a dietitian or <laughs> immunologist these days. <laughs> okay, well I, I think I might volunteer because uh, I don't suffer rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, I, I'm 90% deaf but I don't <laughs> think that's related. <laughs> and, uh, all right, so if I went, you would. how would you analyse my diet? Would I fill out some kind of sheet? How would you know what I eat and, and would I tell you the truth? <laughs> Ooh. I would hope so. <laughs> Well, you would have a, probably like a one and a half interview with me yeah. where we will just chat about different food groups. You know, it's a very detailed questionnaire where I kind of just interview yeah. and get details about your diet history over the last year. I, I did once, uh, I took because I do photography, I took mm. a photo of everything I ate during the day. And it's that, I mean, that's only one day, of course, mm. but uh, hmm. Yeah, the, these questionnaires are well validated, so mm. they they take a snapshot of the sort of things you eat over your whole over a whole year. So, how many oranges do you eat? Yeah, a year, a month, a week. So it breaks it down in that way, so that we can try and understand your dietary habits over a long period of time. Yeah. So these questionnaires are validated against uh, like a weekly, um, uh, like what's it called? A diary. <laughs> a diary. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. A diary. Yeah. Like yeah. a weekly diet diaries, mm. and also blood micronutrient concentration so they're well validated tools well i i'm i, I i'm interested and, recruited. and and i can yeah. tell i can uh, vouch for your good company <laughs> that, that uh, our listener would enjoy uh, uh you know spending a couple of hours doing this with you so uh do do sign up and how will they get in touch with you so you can email me chloe.goldsmith at canberra.edau or at shweda so it'll be shweda.vankataraman at 
Yeah, right, we'll, we'll, put, yeah. <laughs> we, we'll, pod, we'll, we'll podcast. We're on uh, Twitter as well, uh, Fuzzy Logic Sci, I think. Uh, so we'll, we'll put up some links, and uh, that sounds like fun. And I'd be interested to know, we, we might come back to diet a little bit in a moment because I have my own diet story I want to share with you. Mm. But uh, uh, we're going to get to the uh, end of you, what your research is still, uh, Shweta. Uh, we're kind of making good good progress. So diet, we've got four types of T-cell. Uh, then you're doing, you're counting, you need some kind of population analysis of the occurrence of those four cells mm. that are known to be implicated. Mm. <laughs> yes. Objective in, language, <laughs> important, yes. Yeah, there's yeah, cause and effect and correlation, mm -hmm. not the same thing, of course. Mm -hmm. Right, what do you do next? So then we have these two data sets, I guess, the diet yep. set of macronutrients and micronutrients, and we have these immune cell concentrations or ratios, and then we're trying to correlate the two of them or understand the association between those two um, between the diet and the immune cell ratios. Uh, okay, so what you eat affects what uh, your population of T cells. Are those, those T cells the the bad T cells? <laughs> uh, are they? To, you can say we don't know if this is if this is not a fair question, but do they do anything useful other than make a mess of your joints? Do we know whether they do anything good? Yes. <laughs> Yes, they're important for fighting infections, um, and the different T-cell subsets have different roles. So some are um, good for identifying foreign bodies, other for identifying sort of bad bacteria. So they all have different jobs under normal conditions, and then some of these cells become dysregulated um, in autoimmune disease. Do, do, do these cells like have a duty list, you know, a, a job specification? So Basically, you, yeah. Yeah, yeah do, they do. do. You, so do, you, do we know much about what good jobs they do, what particular types of – don't, I want, don't want you to list them, but do we know much about what else they do? Yeah, we do, yeah. So there's a good, um, a good long list of the good jobs that they have. So they're, they're involved in cell signaling. So they would present an antigen on their surface and then that will recruit other immune cells and it's sort of immune, a signaling cascade, if I may. And so it's, the immune system is very complex and there's all different types of cells that respond to environmental cues and they're all changing their phenotypes to try and protect you and, yeah. yeah it's mind-bogglingly bogglingly <laughs> yeah. complicated. And so... I, I just it just kind of amazes me that a cell can do this at all, and, and I know we you kind of looked a bit um, a bit worried when I asked you this question before the song break, uh, Chloe. But um, somehow the cell, the, the T cell, knows that this is a cell, a foreign body it mm. should attack, and then it gets a bit muddled and it attacks your own body cells. So, mm. can you? What do we know? about how the T cell knows what to attack. So immunological memory is important. And I guess in these COVID times, everybody's learning <laughs> about how if you're ex you have to be exposed to something to know that it's bad or good. And if you then overcome that infection, then you have sort of an imprint and you have this immunological memory that allows your body to then recognize it later on. So that's 
very <laughs> crude so, <laughs> version of immunological memory. And, um, yeah. So am, am I right that it kind of, like, I've met you before and it was not a good experience? Pretty much, yeah. You need to get out of here. Yeah. So you have your adaptive immune response. You also have some innate immune response, so mm. it's a diff bit of a different thing. Uh, yeah. So we work on the adaptive immune system. So if you're exposed to it and then that cell is then able to stay in the body and have this memory um, that, that yeah. recognises that You're you were welcome. a bad time. <laughs> yeah, get out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember you. And yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, a bouncer. <laughs> like a bouncer in Like a, a bouncer. <laughs> but um, what I still find mysterious about that is what's good and what's bad. I mean, how an immune system would know that this was a bad experience because the impacts of disease could be really like a huge range of things and mm. so somehow it knows that this is a good effect this is indifferent this or this is a good customer or a bad customer so uh, yeah yep I'm, I'm, I'm kind of floating off in speculation a bit there but do you do you find that mysterious yourself oh, of course yeah and then sometimes they don't know so there's there's all the dysregulation that occurs when normal cells can evade the immune system so it's things like cancer for example so cells are very good at changing themselves to evade the immune system sometimes and that's how we get we get cancer the cell is evading normal cellular processes oh wow okay well <laughs> Just to complicate it even further, we'll throw cancer in the mix. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, it, it is it is really difficult, but it's mm. kind of amazing at the same time. And, and the fact that your body can do this, just I have that sense of wow. Mm -hmm. There's not that like I've yeah, it's it's one of those parts of science. I just think it's like consciousness. You know, it's like well, something amazing is going on here, but. Uh, I think uh, since I'm kind of floating, free associating here, maybe it's time that we should uh, give you a song break. <laughs> uh, rest, rest your brain, uh, my brain and the brain of our guests here on Fuzzy Logic. And I'm just kind of randomly picking a track here. What have we got? Oh, all right. Dueling banjos from uh, <laughs> Deliverance. <laughs> yes, when uh, good uh, backwards people go... Oh, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll let that go. I'll let that thought go. Anyway, our guests uh, on Fuzzy Logic, Dr. Chloe Goldsmith and Shweta Venkataraman, Fuzzy Logic. Now, to close off the uh, story about your research, uh, Shweta, you were saying how you're, you've got the... The T cells, the immune cells, which are known to be involved with uh, rheumatoid arthritis. So now you've got the nutrition data about people who suffer from and don't suffer from uh, rheumatoid arthritis. What do we know about how that might work? How might my diet affect something like uh, rheumatoid arthritis? Yeah, I think um, we were talking about how these immune cells in autoimmune disease and rheumatoid arthritis start attacking healthy tissue. We don't know why it does that. So lifestyle is a really big factor in um, why these immune cells might start attacking healthy tissue. So that includes exercise but as well as diet. So how diet may actually be affecting these immune cells in becoming... Um, in attacking the healthy tissue again. Do we have any, any idea what the mechanism might be? Why that effect might be there? 
Is, is it just like your general health that you are more robust if you have a more healthy lifestyle and therefore the, the machinery, inverted commas, of mm. your body is, is in a, a better condition or can we be a bit more mm. precise so, yeah. than that? Yeah, I mean, y yes. So essentially the, the healthier, uh, in broad terms, you are, the more likely you are to have a robust immune system that's better positioned to not attack you. But there are some genetic factors, uh, but that really is only part of the story. So it's a, it's a polygenic disease, so the genes where we do see mutations, they're not affiliated with a particular pathway or one particular mechanism. So that's where we uh, bring in epigenetics. <laughs> that's where epigenetics comes in, which is really a bridge between our lifestyles and our genome. Okay, so mm. we have genetics, mm. and most I think most of our listeners know uh, approximately what genetics is, a blueprint or maybe a recipe mm. for how to build and operate your body. Epigenetics is yes. something on the outside, metaphorically. Yeah. Do you want to... Do, oh, yeah. So epi, yeah, epigenetics, um, so you have your underlying DNA sequence. So DNA, I'm, I'm sure most of you have heard what that is. Most of your cells in all of your all the different cells in your body, usually they have DNA, but your cells have very different jobs. So your skin cells look very different and have a very different job to the cells in your liver, the cells in your brain. So the thing that makes these cells unique is the epigenome or the epigenetics. So it's a layer of information that sits on top of our DNA sequence that tells the cell what genes to turn on and what genes to turn off. Oh, okay. That, that that sound you can hear that popping sound of light bulbs coming on. <laughs> okay, so I've got a skin cell. I'm looking at one mm. right now, and I've got a liver cell, which I am not looking at. But somehow that's so that both cells have got the same genetic sequence. Mm. But my liver cell behaves like a liver cell, or my skin cell behaves like a skin cell. Yeah. And in fact, it's even more subtle than that, isn't it? Because I've got skin on my hand and I've got skin on my face and skin on all different parts of my body. So there's subtle differences. I mean, this bit of skin grows hair, this bit does not, and so on. Yeah, uh, so there's lots of different cells and they have yeah, very, very different jobs, very different jobs all around your body. Yeah, And even within a particular tissue, if we take the liver, for example, you have... You chop a liver in half, it kind of all looks the same, but there are hepatocytes and cholangiocytes and there's immune cells and stellate cells and they all do very different jobs. Some are connective tissue that just sort of hold the other cells together. Others produce enzymes to break down all of your, all of your food or process, process drugs and those sorts of things. So. That, 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 uh, that really strikes me a bit like the earlier story of um, picking good cells from bad, but mm. it's like seems really mysterious... That, that this incredible subtlety in the, mm. I'm using the word loosely, design of your body, mm. somehow your this cell knows that it's in this place and it's got to behave in this way and do it has this job to do. So that's controlled by epigenetics. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, if you think about development, all cells develop from one cell and they all have to, it's called differentiation so it's sort of, I guess, finding your destiny as a cell and becoming what you're going to be and this is epigenetic imprinting that, that comes into play here so yeah, it's very, very complicated, complex field that is really exciting to work in. It's amazing and then now 
your nutrition, your lifestyle, exercise and so on affects how the cells behave and therefore the immune system does or does not attack uh, parts of your body that it shouldn't do. Mm. And, and Okay. So having done all of this, when you get to the end of your PhD, do you see... Oh, there will there will come a day, Shweta. <laughs> don't don't you know? Hang in there. Oh, how many years? How far into so it? Just started my honours year, so PhD is in the in the future. Not haven't started it quite yet. Oh, okay. Oh, Still I, a baby I, researcher. <laughs> okay, so you, this is just honours. So I've jumped on to um, a project that was in the works from. Mm. Last year, started last year. Yeah, so so, yeah, project that club we were setting up for a while, and yeah, I thought it was really interesting, so I've been able to jump onto it. Oh wow, I've elevated you to PhD <laughs> uh, student. Uh, can uh, well uh, hang in there because I can, I can see it in your future, Shweta. <laughs> oh, I, she's I, brilliant. She'd be a brilliant scientist. <laughs> I, I really can. Yes, mm. yes. It will. Be, yes, I'm rubbing the sides of my forehead. <laughs> and uh, okay, wow. So. Now, I'm just thinking for someone suffering from rheumatoid arthritis, and at the end of this uh, research and uh, related research that uh, people might get health advice about Mm. things they can do to help their situation. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's the aim. I think people with rheumatoid arthritis would already know that diet... People with rheumatoid arthritis tend to really manipulate their diet and the people that I've talked to so far, they really they already know that diet really impacts mm. their symptoms. So like understanding that link even further is really the aim of this project. So looking at how that diet really manipulates not just the symptoms, um, but the root cause or like the, the driver of the disease. Yeah. Some of our participants have had um, they're in remission from rheumatoid arthritis. So they've changed their diet favorably and they don't have any arthritis symptoms anymore, yeah. which is just amazing. And Incredible. so we're so interested to study mm-hmm. them and see if the same imprint, epigenetic imprint, is on the cells that we're interested in that are affiliated with arthritis and to study those as well. It's really interesting. Uh, oh, that's that's wonderful because you, you've mm. actually jumped in and a- answered the question I was about to oh. ask you, and that is, can, is the disease reversible? So. I kind of it suggests that yes, it is probably. Yeah, so that's one really interesting thing about epigenetics is that it is often a reversible change. So your lifestyle impacts your epigenome a lot. So if you smoke, um, there's a specific imprint that is is formed upon your DNA that shows that you smoked, and that can have different outcomes. And importantly, epigenetic markers are often reversible. So in theory, you can change the epigenetic landscape by having a healthy diet. So we're interested in... in well, I, I can remember going to my doctor and she said that she had a patient who had high blood pressure or high cholesterol, one, one of the two, can't remember, and she said uh, she's prescribed some medication mm. and then the patient came back and all of a sudden the, the symptom, whichever it was, blood or mm. cholesterol, was greatly improved. Mm. And the doctor said, well, the medication's worked. And the patient said, no, I haven't taken it. I've just changed my diet. Mm. And I, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that cholesterol is a, is a really, really, I don't want to say easy one because there are certain genetic factors that make it harder for people to reduce their, um, their uh, LDL cholesterol. So if you increase your HDL, it can have really positive effects on your LDL cholesterol. So the cholesterol is a 
a good one, mm. a good example to be able to. I think it was. Fix, I think yeah. it was cholesterol, not mm. ra- not not blood pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so uh, now epigenetics. Mm. Do you want to give me a brief? description of your own research, Chloe, because we've, we've talked so much about the, uh, uh, the diet. Oh, just quickly before we do, mm. uh, Mediterranean diet, is that a particular thing on your radar with this research? Such a buzzword, yeah. yeah. Definitely. That, there's been research already done in Canberra, even yep. at UC, looking at how the med- Mediterranean diet can be a really beneficial dietary pattern for yep. people with rheumatoid arthritis and really control those symptoms. All right, well, we, we don't have time to go into detail what the Mediterranean diet is, but lots of vegetables, not a lot of meat, uh, olive oil, I mm. think. Uh, Oily fish. Fi- mm. Yeah, fish. Okay, oh, I think I'm not too far off that, actually, <laughs> but with a few misdemeanours <laughs> thrown in. All right, back to you, back to you Chloe. Yeah. Your own research, epigenetics, can you give me a short summary? Sure. So my research is really interested in understanding how the bridge between how our lifestyle can influence diseases or health. So I work on the epigenome. So I I try and understand how particular lifestyle components can affect the epigenome in different types of cells. Um, Immune cell plasticity is something I'm really interested in. So trying to understand how immune cells become their ultimate destiny and how their destiny is changed based on environmental conditions and what that means for different diseases. So what other diseases, not not just rheumatoid arthritis? So autoimmune diseases is my main focus now, but I originally most of my career is focused on cancer research, so understanding the epigenetic drivers of cancer research. So in that instance, we're trying to figure out how a normal cell can go wrong and evade immunological and normal cellular processes that make it tumorigenic and become a, a cancer. Like a cancer cell? So yeah, so a cancer cell is just a normal cell that that went wrong. Or <laughs> <Quite> bad. <laughs> oh, bad. <laughs> it's gone bad. It's just a normal cell that's evading cellular processes. So it's not um, not dying when it should have died. It's not, it's not getting broken down by the immune cells it should be broken down by and it it gets specific mutations and specific epigenetic factors that mean that it can continually divide and grow. So, yeah, mm. there's lots of things going on in a cancer cell, isn't there? So it, mm. it doesn't die. Was it apoptosis, isn't apoptosis, it? Apoptosis, yeah. Yep. So apoptosis is programmed cell death. Yep. So when a cell reaches the end of its life, it should apoptose, <laughs> but yeah. often Surplus it doesn't. Surplus two requirements get... don't come Monday. Yeah. Yeah. And, for example, those mm. T cells we are talking about before are important in even inducing apoptosis. Mm. Or telling that cell, okay, it's time for you to die. That, yeah. That, yeah, yeah, it's time for you to leave. Yeah. And, uh, but also it um, reproduces uh, much more rapidly, I think, does it? The they, they, tumour cell? The, the tumour cell. cell? Yeah, so they have, a, depending on the type of cancer, the cancer's the, the site of origin, they can have a high uh, reproduction rate, so they, they divide rapidly. And they do More a, rapidly than it, it yeah. would have if it was. They they do other cells, time. other things, don't they, to avoid your body's immune system, and they form yeah. clusters and so on. Yeah. They hijack the vasculatory system. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They so they grow their own blood vessels, and, and it's a, by a process called angiogenesis. Um, so they they form a complex stroma or tumor stroma, which is where a cancer cell is sort of in a mixture between um, structural cells which make up the tumour. So it's usually a multifactorial 
disease. Cancer is definitely a multifactorial disease, but it, it's made up of a multitude of different types of cells within one, one tumour. And so single cell sequencing, which is a very cool technique, is really paving the way to try and understand all the specific cells within a tumour and how one has kind of gone wrong and then it went a bit more wrong and then a bit more wrong. And yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we have interviewed on Fuzzy Logic a few times uh, Dr Charlie Lineweaver and he with uh, Paul Davies came up with this idea that a cancer cell is the reactivation of ancient DNA mm. in the cell's history, in the history of not just the individual cell but in the history of life. And that's before cells were multi, were bodies were multicellular. With this back to their pre, uh, when they're in, their, in the single cell stage of evolution, and those ancient DNA sequences are reactivated. Which uh, is, I, I gather that's quite controversial, and I don't know how much traction it's got. Yeah, I'm not sure about their particular research, and I'm not sure what they mean by ancient DNA. But another factor for cancer is is uh, as a person ages, you lose a particular type of epigenetic mark called methylation, just, just stochastically. And that can lead to the expression of factors called repetitive elements. So they're parts of the genome that don't really code for anything. It's a non-coding genome. And that can be affiliated with certain cancers and certain diseases. So there's 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 that, but I'm not sure about this ancient oh, we, we've, Perhaps we, it's we're, its we're out of that. time. Oh. We're out of time. And yes, we've got a couple of, <laughs> couple of minutes to go here on uh, Fuzzy Logic. So just before we say goodbye, and uh, today's Ask Fuzzy is about dung beetles. <laughs> yeah, dung beetles, just amazing. There was a time when you, amazing. Couldn't, you mm. couldn't go outside uh, because there were so many bush flies, but dung beetles take the, the dung, the cow dung, and they mm. dig it into the soil where it does lots of good things. Now, just uh, quickly, uh, people who might be interested, uh, mm -hmm. I think I'll, I'll sign up in your research mm -hmm. at Schwetter. Uh, give us the contact details again. Oh, sure. So you can contact me via an email. I'm worried that it might be too long to spell out. You yeah. can contact me, chloe.goldsmith mm. at canberra.edu.au, or you can search on the UC website for research studies that are ongoing, and you'll see our one. Mm -hmm. I think the only one up there that's on the website at the moment. We'll put a link on, yeah. the, on the podcast, uh, Fuzzy Logic Sci on Twitter. Um, I'm on Facebook, so you can find me there. Mm -hmm. uh, Rod Taylor, of course. And that's about it. Fantastic. Thanks for it's having us. Thank you so much yeah, for having you. us. Oh, it's you've been, been lovely. You've been wonderful guests. It's been great to talk to you. <laughs> and uh, that's it. Yeah, I'm excited to get you over to UC and involved in our study. Yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. Oh, I'm going to give blood for science. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it. <laughs> Got to go. Catch you later. Bye. <laughs>